What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Longview Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and we are recording here right before the Grizzlies tip off and face off against the San Antonio Spurs on Wednesday night, uh, looking to officially clinch that two-seat out in the Western Conference. And before I introduce our guests, let me tell you about the Longview Podcast and ways you can get in touch with the podcast and the blog. So the Longview is a podcast on Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside GBB Live, the 3 and D Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, you can find the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network right where you listen to your podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. Once again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is the beat writer for the uh, Memphis Grizzlies uh, commercial appeal. He is also a co-host now of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. It's none other than DeMichael Cole. DeMichael, how's it going, man? Parker, how you doing, man? Um, things are going good over here. Yeah, I'm feeling good, too. You know, we're, we're recording the Probably about an hour or so ago, we had some sirens here for some uh, mm-hmm. tornado warnings, but you know we're we're all good now. So we call this the, the tornado pod. But you know, DeMichael, I, I wanted to get you on on this pod because you had a really good column drop yesterday, and it revolves around a lot about the John Morant eighteen and two conversation, and you know the Grizzlies eighteen and two without John Morant. People could say whatever they want or whatever about it. Um, I, I think it's it shouldn't be a demerit against Ja for um, all NBA or MVP consideration or anything. Uh, it, it should kind of just be more of a testament to uh, the Grizzlies, their depth, their uh, coaching staff, front office, however you want to spin it. It should be more towards that rather than against Ja. I mean, after all, their their winning percentage with Ja is at like sixty two and a half percent. It's their thirty five to twenty one with them this season, like. For one, before we really get into like this nuts and bolts of this, to Michael, isn't just all that the discourse around it just kind of, kind of just silly nonsense in your opinion? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, that's 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 pretty much how I feel, uh, to to Parker, you know. And you know, it's been a lot of numbers, you know, thrown out there lately. You know, you you got the the record and and the overall record, the record without Jaw, and and you know all the other uh, numbers, but. I like to talk about, if you want to talk about players missing and things like that, you got, you know, 30, 34 and 14, 35 and 14 without Dylan Brooks. They're undefeated, 4-0 without Stephen Adams. Um, outside of, like, guys like Desmond Bain and Tyus Jones, they haven't really, you know, performed. Uh, when those two are out, they didn't perform well. But everyone else, it's it's been the show goes on. Exactly. It's the next man up mentality. It's something that's really lived on with the Grizzlies since – this uh, next-gen era started. Um, I, I remember last year I wrote something about it because I, they were, like, on a Eastern Conference road trip against some really good teams. And, like, they were playing, like, John Conchar and Killian Tilly, who they – and Xavier Tillman, you know, those guys. Like, Tillman was in the rotation, but like Conchar and Tilly, like, they weren't really – like, they were probably more, like, 14, 15 kind of guys or 13, or 13, 14. Mm-hmm. They weren't right, really rotation right. guys, and they were still just laying the hammer on teams. So it's just <laughs> a, a testament to that. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's, there's two players in particular I want to talk about with this that have really kind of shined through this. 
And first we'll say Tyus Jones. Um, I mean, his efficiency as a ball handler has just continued to be superb, even in a higher dosage of minutes. Um, in his 20 games as a starter, he's averaging roughly 12 points, seven assists, three rebounds. Um, he, he's averaging 30 minutes per game, and he's, his assist-to-turnover ratio is still at 6.8 to 1, which is just absolutely absurd. DeMichael, just, like, just talk about like, your views of just – how Tyus Jones has been operating the operating the offense in this role as a starter while maintaining his efficiency as a passer and as a playmaker. I mean, it, it's surely got to be really encouraging knowing that even if like, if even if your star point yard, Don Moran is down, like you still have a quality backup that could step in and provide honestly excellent minutes. I mean, Right, this right. is something the Grizzlies have never really had in a while. So, where where are you on this <laughs> on this front, Matthias? Yeah, he's he's all he's pretty much like starter level. I mean, the Grizzlies Grizzlies kind of they they're in a fortunate situation to have Tyus Jones. Um, you you hit it on the spot with the assist to turnovers. That's his bread and butter. That's who he is. Uh, he treats the ball like an infant. You know, he doesn't lose it. He takes care of it, and he. He paces the league. You mentioned the 6.8 assists per to turnover ratio. I believe the next closest in the NBA this season is like 5.2, 5.3. He's a full assist above the rest of the league in assist to turnover ratio. That just, I mean, he's on a different level. He's led the league the last four years. Even the two seasons before that, he was top five. So that's just who he is. He takes care of the ball. He has one of the best floaters in the league. He shot the ball from three really well. And this is the ideal backup point guard. I think if you don't, you want a backup point guard in the NBA, you want somebody who can come in who can be like a, a microwave scorer or you want someone who can come in and really, you know, keep the offense and the ball movement. And, and he's been more of that, you know, the latter. He really uh, gets guys easy shots. He makes things happen when he needs to as a scorer. He's really channeled an extra level of aggression this year, I think. And it came – you know, at some point in January there, and he, he talked about how, you know, that time he spent as a starter really um, helped him bring that out more. But he he's just been an ideal fit. But it's, it's you know, it's him and it's it's a couple other guys, too, that have just really solidified um, that guard rotation. For sure. Yeah, Tyus Jones just kind of been a real um, – I, I want to call him necessarily the heartbeat of the guard rotation because that belongs to John Morant. Uh, Desmond Bain also probably has a word to say in that as well. But, you know, Tyus just keeps things humming, whether it's Jaw coming yeah. off the bench, like Jaw having to get some rest and he's out there and he's playing with and building chemistry with guys like D'Anthony Melton, Brandon Clark, uh, Jaron right. Jackson Jr. He's staggered in there. I mean, just how he's been able to fit seamlessly with everyone else. And one thing I've just noticed, too, is like even with this like, careful approach to how he how he plays, it's not like he's like playing like risk adverse. Like he's still making pretty daring passes per se. Like, you know, he's still going for lobs. He's still going for cross court passes going downhill. Like there was one action the other night against Milwaukee where uh, he got somewhat, he got a little give and go action with Kyle Anderson and just going downhill, just zipped like a cross court pass, just like in the, like, mid-air passing and still hit D'Anthony Melton right on the money for a three. So it's not just one of those things where he's just being careful. A lot of assists just coming off, moving the ball around the perimeter. He is 
making plays. And when you have a backup point guard like that, that can put pressure on the defense, it's just going to open up a lot more for your offense. Exactly. And, and, and that's what's, you know, been happening, you know, um, just watching. I mean, you talk about Ty, Ty specifically, whether it's with the starters or, or with the, you know, the bench guys, and he does it in a multi multitude of ways. You know, it's not just him being on ball as the primary facilitator. We've seen him play with John Morant. We've seen him play with, you know, Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Mel, and sometimes he gives the balls to those guys and lets them bring the ball up the court, and he, and he assumes, you know, a more secondary role where he gets the ball in the half court and makes things happen. So he's also, you know, he he's one of the versatile guys. I mean, they have a bunch of guys who, who have that versatility, but Tyus Jones isn't just some ball-dominant, you know, point guard either. So I think that's another advantage. For sure. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just – it's been really fun to watch his development because, you know, last season – he kind of like tailed off a little bit from a as a shooter. Like he still maintained his passing efficiency, but just his overall offensive impact is kind of like wavered off a little bit. But now like with, with all these minutes and how comfortable he's looking in these minutes, you know, now he may get more minutes than he did last year in the postseason. I think he averaged like eight or nine minutes a game last postseason because it was like, okay, this guy, we can't really play him much next to Jaw. And now they're probably going to be playing alongside each other a decent amount in the postseason. Like where where are you on this, Demichael? Like are you more like are you like pro seeing this duo out there together, or do you want to like or do you see as more like a matchup dependent kind of thing with these two? It's because of their size in the backcourt, yeah. right? I, it's very matchup dependent, and I think it's uh you know Taylor Jenkins he he coaches a lot on feel for the game. So for example, if DeAnthony Melton wasn't playing as well as he's playing right now, I definitely say yeah you should get a put. But Melton is playing so well, I mean, there's an argument that can be made. You only need one of those point guards on the floor because you get Melton's defense and his shooting when you make those, you know, the bench moves. You got Dez, you got Dylan. You're not trying to really limit their time unless, you know, they're just having a big off night or something. But but I think Tyus kind of falls behind those guys, which is insane because, you know, Tyus has been so, so good. But the way the Anthony Melton is playing right now is, you know, just out of this world. You can't take him off the floor. So – in that case, you know, you're looking at Tyus getting eight, nine, ten minutes in a postseason game. But there are teams like, let's say, Minnesota, for example. You, you mentioned matchups. If they play Minnesota, Patrick Beverly, and we saw this actually in one of the matchups, the last matchup against Minnesota, I believe that was after the All-Star break, February 24th, mm -hmm. something like that. When they played Minnesota in that game, Patrick Beverly started picking up full court on John Morant. And how did the Grizzlies counter that? Well, they brought in Tyus Jones. They brought in both point guards would allow when Patrick Beverly picked up John Morant, he just tossed the ball to the side to Tyus Jones, who brought the ball up the court, initiated the offense, and that was that. There have been a, a, a couple of other times I've noticed that as well, where um, in Houston, Dennis Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder would pick up uh, Tyus Jones full court. Desmond Bain would bring the ball up the court. So, you know, that's Minnesota is a is a team you know that likes the pressure and I could see it happening then in terms of both of the point guards being on the floor but that's the main use they have for it right now is when they'll need you know to take some pressure off job from constantly bringing the ball up the court play after play after play wasting you know energy that he can save yeah and really the like the 
I, I remember one specific match that where I kind of felt like it was a turning point of the game was, mm-hmm. was that that Warriors game in January where you know after the after the half uh the Warriors just stuck Gary Payton the second on jaw all 94 feet and really kind of har- harassed him there and then yep exactly they mm-hmm. put Tyus Jones and they put Tyus in right that's another yeah. example mm-hmm. yeah and so I, I think that like those situations are going to be where it's very beneficial to have somebody like Tyus who can not only um, take care of the ball, but also alleviate pressure off the jaw and play alongside him. I think it was uh, Keith Parrish of Fast Break Breakfast who said that their uh, net rating together has been a plus 17 this year, and that's yeah. the highest it's ever been in their three years together. And one thing wow. I'll wrap up with about ties, and I, I know this is like a big topic around you know people that you know cover the Grizzlies or follow the Grizzlies on Twitter and stuff, but like with his play and him showing that not only can he maintain his efficiency in higher minutes, but also the team successful, even when he's at the starting point guard. I mean, an 18 and two record as a starting starting point guard, nothing to really scoff at. Like, do you think like we're heading towards a uh, big payday for Tyus Jones where he's, you know, taking a starting job elsewhere? Like, I mean, I know the starting, the point guard market isn't that crowded. I mean, there's, you know, Jalen Brunson's out there. Ricky Rubio's coming off injury. Mm. I I don't know how many people are paying Schroeder. I mean, if nobody paid him last off, season I don't know who's paying on this offseason I mean I think the only other player that you can make an argument for instead of Tyus Jones would be Jalen Brunson so like do you right right Tyus is somebody who can you know get a starting job somewhere and get a little higher payday or are we kind of overestimating the market and maybe he ends up coming back on a similar deal as to where he is now yeah the market is very weak you know so so it's it's very possible, I think, that he could get, you know, a bigger offer, a more lucrative offer for a team like, you know, Washington, for example. They they really need a point guard. A team like that can throw them, throw them some money and and really, you know, shift some things up. But then again, the NBA is so different now than ever at any point. Uh, there are a lot of point guards out there who aren't technically, quote unquote, available, mm-hmm. but they will be available i mean we've seen i mean basically these contracts are meaningless now so i think of guys like you know De'Aaron fox and in sacramento how they want to handle that situation if he's happy if he's unhappy in the summer how they handle something like that uh malcolm brogdon in indiana you know you see now they're resting him almost every other game it feels like and you know tyree taliburton is their point guard of the future and Chris Duarte has turned into a nice, you know, a two guard for them. So where does Malcolm Brockman fit into that future for them? He could be someone who comes becomes available. And if that's the case, I think Tyus falls a little bit farther down the pecking order. If not, he's going to be, like you said, I think Jalen Brunson is probably the top guy being that he's just had more time as a starter. The, you know, sample size for Tyus Jones is a little bit less than, than Jalen Brunson. And I think, you know, that could be the difference. And, but there may be some teams. I mean, we talked about the assist-to-turnover ratio. I'm sure there are teams out there who have multiple scores already. Like I mentioned, Washington. They, Porzingis is playing really well for them. They have Bradley Beal. And, you know, they have KCP, Kyle Kuzma. They have guys who can put the ball in the basket. They may be preferring a guy who can make it easier for them, like a Tyus Jones. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think at the end of the day, He's going to get some bigger offers. Right now, he's auditioning for it kind of in a way, and he's kind of passing it with flying colors, Parker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got to tell you what. I was talking with somebody the other day, 
Mm-hmm. They brought up Detroit and how nice he would be next to Kay Cunningham, and I'm like, yeah, that that would take that would take them to a little little leap, you know. Add him with a Bagley Bay, a top five pick, that that can end up being something. But I, I want to move yeah. to uh, the guy that you wrote about recently, who has thrived as the de facto backup point guard, and that's Desmond Bain. And I mean, I feel like we've been kind of seeing this come into fruition. It's kind of been like a like a long play kind of thing because you know he like you mentioned in your article he ended he started at the at the point guard spot in summer league he handled a lot of on ball reps him and John Conchar kind of uh, alternated that those sorts of responsibilities and we've seen this massive leap from Desmond Bain one that I I think should fault him in the most improved player conversation. But you, you highlighted how he's just getting more comfortable in that. He's averaging 3.8 assists since the All-Star break. And you also mentioned that he's had four consecutive games mm-hmm. of uh, five-plus assists from March 20th to March 26th. So, DeMichael, where have you seen his growth as a playmaker um, really over these past, like, the, over the past, like, month or two? Like, where, where have you seen him grow as a playmaker um, in year two so far. Yeah, it's a it's a comfort level thing. You know, I think when you make that position change, because he's been off the ball so much, and if you watch him off the ball, his role is actually kind of simple in this offense. You know, they run a couple sets for him, but for the most part, he, you know, he, he does a lot of floor, floor spacing things. He does a lot of one, you know, one cut things and, and things like that. And when he does, you know, some dribble handoff stuff like Steven Adams, but Outside of that, he, he's not really asked to do too much. And now when you put the ball in his hands, he has to know where everyone is at every at every single, you know, second. And, and you know, he plays with that that pace that the Grizzlies like to play with. And he's a scorer. So he's looking to score at the same time. And he had to find a balance in all of that. And I think, you know, in Summer League, for example, you know, Parker, you remember, like, there were growing pains there. They, they threw him, him kind of in the water and said, go swim. And he had to learn how to swim. And th- earlier in the season, you know, John Morant was out. Tyus Jones ran the show. He had to continue to learn how to swim. And right now, this is just, I mean, it's another credit to, like, the front office. They kind of, like, seen this before anyone. Because if they would have just said, oh, we're fine with, you know, him being this nice spot-up shooter, let him continue to, you know, star in his role and things like that. If that's what they wanted to do, then – Right now, they'd be kind of, you know, in a bad position because what you're getting out of, you know, Tyus Jones is 28, you know, 32 minutes of great play. But in those minutes where he's out of the game, they'd be struggling. That's not the case right now. Desmond Bain is holding it down. And he he has learned, you know, where the other players are where to where, where they're going to be and you see him now making passes you know just you talk about this recent stretch and because these five assist games that he's having it's not just him making an extra pass or anything it's him actually running some pick and roll and he'll do a bounce pass to a guy who's wide open he's seeing some things before they happen he did a nice behind the back pass a couple games ago he's really um showing the whole toolbox and just talking to people because I talked to people from TCU I talked to people from Richmond and they all like this is the Desmond Bain, you know, this is the guy we remember from Richmond. This is the guy we saw, you know, at TCU. So it's going back to those roots, but it's also, you know, you're doing it at the NBA level where everything moves a lot faster 
And there's just a lot more responsibility in knowing where guys are. And he's taking pride in that. I mean, a lot of his teammates talk about how hard he works. And we're just seeing that he's really putting in the work to to learn that point guard position. And he's done well. I mean, he he is as big of a reason as Tyus Jones as to why things have kind of smoothed out. Yeah, and it's not even just like him like running the floor and running the offense when Tyus Jones is out. But without John Morant, somebody needs to be a go-to scorer. You know, we all thought that was going to be Jaron Jackson Jr. And this isn't is this isn't any sort of slam at Jaron Jackson Jr. But it's more less about what he's what Jaron's doing on offense, but more about the improvement that Desmond Baines made. Where Des is now that guy sharing that responsibility with guys like Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. to really serve as that go-to scorer. I mean, he's averaging twenty points a game in March and really just kind of thriving more and more as an offensive player. And I, DeMichael, I really do like the point that you mentioned about he's not just making the extra pass. He's actually like creating plays. Because that's one thing that I kind of look at as a barometer for a playmaker. Like, you know, you see a lot of these people where you're looking like, oh, they had five assists. Like this person, like this wing or this big man had five assists. Let's see where he got it. And it's just like dribble handoff, making the extra pass. You're like, okay, like. It's mm-hmm. not much, and it's not really showing you a whole lot of how they are as a playmaker. It's just, oh, they're making the simple pass. They're playing with the yeah. offense. Cool. Exactly, exactly. But this is the kind of growth that you're kind of wanting out of your out of your young guards, uh, especially a guy like Desmond Bain, who you, you've said, you know, he showed this in high school. And I remember uh, his senior year at TCU, a lot of the draft mm-hmm. pundits were raving about how Desmond Bain was probably – the best playmaker in the draft beyond uh, behind LaMelo Ball and Tyrese Halberton. And yeah. I'm kind of just seeing that come into fruition right now. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the coffin. Like, that's exactly what's happening. Desmond Bain has been had this in his bag. And you, and you see, because he doesn't have the tightest dribble. Like, when you think about point guards in the NBA, you know, they have a tighter dribble than him. But Desmond Bain, as you I mean, he's 6'5", he's stocky, he's like 220 pounds, and he's like muscular. So what he's able to do is kind of like what LeBron James, because I mean, still to this day, LeBron James doesn't have the tightest dribble. He has a live dribble, but he doesn't have a super tight one. So he's bigger than a lot of the guys, and he's able to use his body, which is what Desmond Bain is able to do. And him doing a lot of that, you know, just just it, it helps him take care of the ball. It helps him, you know, keep the turnovers down. And and yeah, like he he knows the offense really well. That was one thing I was just watching. You know, you can really tell how well a guy knows an offense when they start making those plays. Uh, you talk about within the offense plays before they happen. You know, throwing mm-hmm. a pass to a spot where a guy's supposed to be and things like that. And that was something you know, just going back and watching the previous five games that I've mentioned, just when, when he got his assist, just looking at the assists, how did he make them? And it's like, oh, okay. It's not just him, you know, oh, uh, Tyus Jones is wide open in the corner. Let me kick it to him. No, it's him. You know, as soon as a pick and roll happens, he can read that the weak side, weak side defender is going to come down and he's making a skip pass and boom, wide open three-pointer. Like he's seeing things before they happen. So uh, he's really showing people, I think, 
you know, you talk about coming into the league, he was being viewed, you know, as a playmaker. But I think just in the last two, pretty much since he's been in the league, a lot of people on a national level and who don't get to watch the Grizzlies a lot see this spot-up shooter. And now they're starting to see, you know, this guy is more than that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, like he, like you said, he does still have room to grow. Doesn't have a super tight handle. Um, I, I feel at some points, especially when he gets going to transition, because he he's like one of those guys where you you don't really want to get in his way in transition because, yeah. like you said, he's he's built he's as a big. football player. He's built <laughs> he's built like a linebacker, and no nobody wants to step in and take a charge. But you know, with that, sometimes he just kind of gets going, gets a little out of control. But I mean, the the growth between his rookie year and now, it's kind of night and day. You just kind of hope or you kind of try to envision of that next step that he ends up taking. And I, I do want to ask you this. Uh, and I, I think the, my, so my vision that I've kind of been kind of thinking on since last year, because I know that I don't know how much you're going to shell into two point guards that may not play a lot of minutes together, like with John Morant and Dias Jones, like whenever John Morant gets his inevitable, uh, Supermax contract extension. You may not invest that much in a backup point guard. You may end up drafting one down the road. You may end up signing a cheap vet. Who knows? But the the goal here is that eventually you need to have it to where you at least have a shooting guard or a two guard, however you want to call it in today's mm-hmm. NBA. You you need another guard who can play alongside job for a good stretch of minutes, but also be able to weather the storm in a postseason situation where he needs like a, a four minute breather. Do you see this stretch that Desmond Bain's been on? Do you see him as a guy that could potentially step into that role or maybe a year or two down the road? Or like, let's say you have a backup point guard. It's more of a regular season backup point guard. He's not a playoff backup point guard. It's a regular season one, whether that's yeah, right, whatever. And Desmond Bain is that guy that's weathering the storm for you in those little four-minute spurts? Possibly, possibly so. Uh, I think that's definitely – I mean, when they put him at point guard in the summer, I think it was, you know, just more about making him more of a set, a better, you know, secondary uh, playmaker in the offense. Like when you have John Morant and Tyus Jones in the game, you know, you're, you're able to – you know, let one guy run the offense one position, the other guy run it the next possession based on who's guarding the mismatches, things like that. When John Moran is in the game, it's John Moran, you know, running point when Tyus Jones isn't in the game with him. It's usually him running point guard, and Desmond Mann is playing off that based on, as you can see, you know, by his assist numbers when he was playing with John Moran. They were really low. So I think the next goal just, you I mean, we talk about the half-court offense being – you know, one of the areas that need improvement before, you know, the playoffs and things like that. And how the half-court offense could get improvement is, you know, when John Morant is, you know, teams are loading up, which they're starting to do a lot more of. They're loading up on him like they do Giannis and create walls when he's driving the basketball and stuff. And it's not as simple as driving kick, you know, to these guys. If you have another secondary playmaker like Desmond Bain, who's about to, you know, He's this him playing the primary backup role is going to help him as that secondary playmaker. But yeah, you make another good point. Like this could lead, like when you shorten the rotation in the playoffs, he could be that that backup point guard if you don't have a Tyus Jones or things like that. So, I mean, at the end of the day, this this gives them more options 
it gives them better options and it it creates that versatility you need. Like if a guy goes down, it's like, okay, we could just move this guy into a different position and he'll be fine. Like you can do with Kyle Anderson. You can play him at small forward, power forward, Jaron Jackson, multiple positions, Brandon Clark, multiple positions, you know, DeAnthony Melton, multiple positions. I think that's just one of the uh, things that this front office and this, this team just tries to emphasize. For sure. I remember I asked, Taylor Jenkins last season about, you know, how they go small or whatever. And he's like, oh, I don't really kind of consider it small. I kind of consider it as like more playmaking ball, getting as many yeah. playmakers out on the floor as possible. And, you know, I kind of stuck with him. I'm like, yeah, I really like that. I, I really like that <laughs> idea. Just, you know, just get as many playmakers out on the floor. And and I, I think one, that experiment that they did where they, they said, hey, we're going to send down Desmond Bain and John Conchar and Xavier Tillman, and we are going to put them on the ball, make them – put them in positions where they got to make decisions and we're kind of seeing it. I mean, Desmond Bain, you know, emerging as a guy who's probably like a, a two, a two B two C with Jaron and right. Dylan and you right. and also to John Conchar emerging from a two way player two years ago to a guy that's now the, you, yeah, for the better part of the season, he's been the 10th man on a contending team. So I'd right. say it's pretty good. Uh, and also, too, I hope you know that I was alluding to uh, when I said maybe drafting a backup point guard. You know, I was talking about Tennessee ball of uh, Kenny Chandler. Kennedy. Right? Yeah, go balls, baby. Go balls. That, that'll that be – look, Parker, that's my guy. For one, he's a Memphis. He's, he's right. Memphis through and through. So you, so you get the double books with him. You get the Memphis native and you get the UT ball. And not only that, uh, Rick Barnes runs some good offense. So those guys, I mean – they haven't, you know, had the best of NBA careers for the most part. But all those guys come in smart, knowing what to do. Grant Williams is like the perfect example, you know, of his, his success in Boston. But uh, Kennedy, I mean, he kind of plays like Tyus Jones, actually. They, they, the games uh, kind of are similar, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just know that whenever the time comes for you and Sean to drop that Kennedy Chandler draft <laughs> pod, y'all are going to be insufferable. We're, we're going to think it's that Kennedy is go- Paul. It's going to be party time. It's going to, it's going to be party time, Parker. Uh, yeah, I feel that. All right, we'll close on this to Michael. This is kind of a, a fun question that I saw somebody post from uh, NBA Reddit that kind of made wave on Twitter. So the question was, you can, give, you can give a role player on your team an additional four inches in height. Who would you pick and why? Hmm, a role player. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, so, so we're not calling – um, let's see here. So you can't say Ja, Jaron, and then depending on what you think of Desmond Bain, we can't say Desmond Bain either. Okay. Ja, Jaron, I can't say Des. All right. A role player, four inches. Hmm. I might throw you off with this one. Oh. I'm going to say Brandon Clark. Oh, that's actually one of mine too. I mean, if you and turn Brandon Clark into a seven-foot center, like he would – with you, that floater – that's your future center, and he's automatic. And, and I mean, he already goes to get the ball already. Brandon Clark would be – I mean, he'd be prime Tyson Chandler, DeAndre Jordan, softer touch than both. It would be scary. You know, right now um, you have that versatility with him playing the four to five. And, and you talk about making him seven feet and his the, build, the way he moves already. Oh, game changer. It'd be a game changer for sure. Mine, I, I had Clark, but I also said DeAnthony Melton. If you turn Melton like six um, seven with his wingspan, 
I that was my yeah. That was a good one because basically yeah, at that point one. you had Mikhail Bridges. Like you basically right. like, oh, that's, turning that's exactly, yeah. That's exactly who you get. That's <laughs> that's a really good one too. I thought about the Anthony, but then I was like, well, he already has a six eight wingspan, so it's like. I'm going to go with Brandon, but yeah, you can't oh, go yeah. wrong with help. I mean, he'd be, like you said, Mikael Bridges. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I had somebody say a 611 uh, six Dylan Brooks would just be a menace. Like he'd, I think he'd basically be like Draymond that can score. It'd be, it'd be hilarious. Yeah. It, it really, oh, he's a villain now. Imagine how much of a villain he'd be then. <laughs> it'd be like the biggest villain big man since Kevin Garnett. He would be just a menace to society. Yeah, he has those short arms, so that's that'll true. really help him. <laughs> exactly. You know, DeMichael, uh, you got anything else you want to add or anything you want to plug in before we sign off here? No, nah, man, just uh, appreciate you for having me. Uh, thanks thanks for uh, yeah having me on here. Absolutely. Yeah, y'all make sure y'all go follow him at DeMichael C on Twitter. Make sure you are subscribing to the Commercial Appeal so you can catch – all of his work, all of Mark Giannata's work, all of Evan Barnes's work over at the Commercial Appeal, just they, they have a great cast of people that cover cover the city. So make sure you are subscribing, uh, getting the newspaper on Sundays. However you, you get your information for the Commercial Appeal, do that so you can check out the Michael and everyone else there. Um, also, subscribe to the Law Don Grizzlies podcast with him and Sean, uh, two of the best in the game. Can't lie on that one. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Pac underscore Flocka. Follow the blog on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. Read all of our work at grizzlybearblues.com and subscribe to our podcast network, the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts.